What's going on, hoop heads? All my playoff fanatics. This is Kyle Means, editorial director of WeAreRegalRadio.com, and I am back with another NBA playoff diary. Uh, just a quick little in and out thing here. Uh, if you didn't hear the first one I did uh, last week with Josh Hicks, uh, you know, with these playoff diaries, we're just uh, doing some quick segments, talking up the playoffs as they uh, round out, you know, as they uh, evolve, in, you know, into what what they're going to wind up being this year, you know, as they play out. Essentially, I don't know why I said evolve, like it's some <laughs> greater greater force there. But, uh, you know, as, as, the, as the games play out, uh, every, you know, maybe a couple times a week we'll try to, maybe like one time a week. But, uh, you know, we'll try to have uh, little discussions and, and everything like that. I may have Chris Pennant joining me in a little bit here, but, uh, you know, we'll see about that. Uh, he's having some technical difficulties, I think, on his end. But I'm just going to start off by saying what I think we're all thinking uh, to th- today, you know, in the wake of uh, the end of last night. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know about you exactly, but I, for one, welcome our new petty basketball playing overlord, and that is one Dame Lillard. Uh, man, Dame just uh, knocked everybody on their ass with with that sh- that game winning shot last night. It was an amazing moment. I'm glad I was able to see it uh, live. Even though I was, you know, I was looking on a, on my tablet and stuff. I was barely barely caught it, you know, because I was thinking that you know the game was just gonna run out, you know, that you know there was just gonna be like some weak shot. You know, uh, at the end of the quarter, and they was gonna, they were destined for overtime. I didn't think that Lillard would have such a uh, confident shot about him, and uh, you know that it would actually fall like that. That was just a a blazing moment there, and really something uh, amazing in recent uh, playoff basketball history. Of course, it does have. His predecessor with Damian, uh, you know, making that shot a few years ago against Houston, but uh, you know the stakes weren't as high there. There wasn't the whole thing with Damian. Uh, you know, Damian didn't have a thing with anybody on uh, on the Rockets. There wasn't any major storyline. Just a couple of teams trying to play out in the first round, and you know, this was a first round matchup too. But, you know, Lillard and uh, Westbrook just had this death match thing that was going on and, you know, extended to, uh, you know, extended to Oklahoma more so than, the, than you, you, you feel it did to Portland. Portland was just doing them and they, you know, they were supporting each other and have and, uh, you know, trying to make a statement, I'm sure, because they came into the playoffs with, a very bad playoff, recent playoff history, but uh, you know they really were able to sweep all that under the rug. Eventually, and, and in five games, I think they've done a lot to maybe change the course of the narrative and change the the course of that team's uh, 
near future right now because, you know, I, I said it before with Josh last week, I think that they're destined for the Western Conference Finals, you know, after winning that series. And, um, you know, coming into the playoffs, I thought that the winner of that series would be in a better position than the winner of the the Denver San Antonio series to uh, make it out of that opposite side of the Western Conference bracket and, um, you know, get themselves in in there with uh, likely Golden State towards the end of uh, at, you know, in the final series of the Western Conference. You know, we're seeing that what you know, Golden State and uh, Houston are destined to play in the second round. Uh, looking to get Chris connected here and have him join in. So just enjoy the uh, <laughs> enjoy the dulcet tones from Anchor over me as we talk here. But um, yeah, I was just yeah, Chris. All right, Chris, how you doing, man? Welcome, All right, good. I'm, I already started the show, so uh, you know it's no it's no big deal. We'll just get it going this way. I just was not happy to be talked about anything besides Damian Lillard, and I figure we'll talk mostly about him anyway in this. But uh, yeah, I was just I was going into my thoughts on how the shot, and I I I'll let you give your overall thoughts on that moment. Uh, in a minute, but I was just giving my thoughts as you came in on how I think how different I think Portland is right now as a franchise, how different the perception of them has to be coming into the playoffs uh, than, you know, as it is now after winning this series, because when they came into the playoffs, they were a team with that wasn't proven in, in this current mode. They had a lot of Weak playoff history, and um, you know they just they just weren't that much of a threat. But now they look like a team that's ready to maybe make the Western Conference Finals, and they have you know have we have to say the hottest player in the game, uh, fueling them in, in Damian Lillard. So you know that's just where I was sort of going uh, as you came in. But uh, you know since you're here now, man, what just you know, give your thoughts out. I know you were you were tweeting so I, uh, around the time of the shot, so I guess you saw it live. But uh, you know, what were your thoughts on what happened last night, and what what did it mean? For, what did that moment mean to you? Well, it was it was funny. I was at my um, my partner's house, and I had to leave there, um, so I didn't actually get to see it live. I was on the bus, just trying to follow. And uh, I think some of the funnier things, you know, when you when you when you're on Twitter, it was a really interesting phenomenon that occurred in the fourth quarter, where if you clicked on the the, the game commentary box that they put out at first events, it went from Blazer fans refs were against them. And uh, they were going to send the series back to OKC just to get more money. Um, from, I think, about the 10-minute mark of the fourth quarter, and probably before that because that's when the Thunder went on their run, until about the four-minute mark of the fourth quarter. 
it switched completely to Thunderfans saying that exact same thing. And then it was it was almost word for word. The tweets were exactly the same. You just replaced Blazers or, or Portland with Thunder or OKC, you know, one way or the other. That all oh, the refs are giving the fun the refs are giving insert team here the game. I can't believe the refs are making that call. You know, it's so it's so funny to see how similarly basketball fans think. But it just depends on who they're cheering for. All that aside, I was passing. I was on the on the Halston bus, and I was, happened to be passing the sports bar, and we stopped, and we were on Jack. I think we were at Jackson by the Greek restaurant, so I could see inside the from the bar, and there were people on court, and I figured they were overtime. And just about at that moment, the score updated on my on my phone screen, and I got a text in my group chat, just like, "Oh my God, Dave hit, Dame hit a game winner to win the series." And thank goodness for the magic of the internet because somebody almost immediately had a clip of the shot after that. And I sat on the bus from Jackson all the way to Cermak in disbelief of that shot. That was was 19 blocks approximately of just... There's no way for me to put that into words. And this coming from a guy who's hit a similar shot under similar circumstances... In the same round of playoffs, uh, in a comeback game, the Damian Lillard is a special player, and it's almost unfair that he's playing in this generation. One which, on the one hand, is so suited to his talents and his singular level of determination um, from not being recruited much out of high school to going to a very um, to a lower tier mid-major Division One college, um, even though he was a first-round pick of the Blazers, he's in the same conference as Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and now Kevin Durant and the Warriors on the whole, and Russell Westbrook on the Thunder, and even for part of his career um, at the later stages, Kobe Bryant in in Los Angeles. But he is an absolutely special player. He's been picked All NBA, so people know it. And he's not an afterthought at all. But the Blazers only made it out of the first round a few years ago when he hit that game winner over the Rockets. The difference this year, is, as far as I can tell, is that they have upgrades over who they had. Now, obviously, they have C.J. McCollum at, at the other guard position. But I don't want to skip ahead if we're going to get into that. They just have – they show a better team. They showed that they were a better overall team than the Thunder in this round. Lillard and McCollum did work. It took a couple of games for Paul George first to get out of his slump. But while Lillard and McCollum, Lillard and McCollum did work, Westbrook and PG were almost equal to that task if you go simply by points scored. And that's what a lot of people are looking at which backcourt is going to outscore the other, and I think it's kind of a puerile, juvenile estimation of the series, but they would probably be looking at the backcourt that scored more would equal a win for that team. I said when we had our playoff preview a couple of weeks ago that the matchup would really be determined in the not necessarily the other players, but in the long post matchup between Cantor and Adams. And those guys, to be fair, although Cantor, I Outplayed Adams, especially considering that he was hurt. 
I think those two were pretty much even. Where it really came in were the other two guys who were starting and playing with or playing with the second unit, Mo Harkless and Alfaru Kamina. Yeah. They they were difference makers, especially in that game six when McCollum couldn't get on track and got into early foul trouble. But all series long, those guys have been crashing the boards, hitting shots, making great cuts, great plays, and making free throws, and and getting into loose balls. Seth, Seth Curry, for his play, has done some things as well, but not to the same degree as those two guys, because those guys are tweeners. They're not going to bang with Steven Adams on the boards on a regular basis, but if he's boxed, if he's matched up with Cantor or, or somebody else in the middle, there wasn't anybody else on Oklahoma City for the most part who was keeping them out of the paint on rebounds, who was chasing down loose balls over them, who was getting around them. The, those guys were those guys didn't exist for the public. Yeah. And so they may really put up fifty points. They had a thirty seven footer to win the game. But and and he made some seven and McCollum came alive in the fourth quarter too. But in that early part of the game, when it was the shootout at the OK Corral, and it was bucket, matched with bucket on both ends, Harkless and Aminu were right there. Aminu hit that, had that dunk that got the, the Blazers their first points. Harkless was hit and jumped. Those guys, those guys were indispensable. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it can't be overstated the impact that they had in the series because they just provided a more well-rounded attack, whereas – Essentially, OKC was was just relying on their top two guys, and even with Russ, there were too many times in the series where he just wasn't making shots consistently. And you know, compare that to CJ and Dame, and they were pretty much making shots throughout the entire series consistently. And Dame was making shots from everywhere on the court consistently. You know, the numbers from I think from thirty feet out for him were ridiculous and you know, he made 10 threes last night so was really pushed him or pushed up his his game there you know it, it I, I guess you know you you mentioned some of it some of the analysis maybe being puerile or juvenile or whatever but I really do think that what got it that Russell getting inside of um Dame was the first mistake in the series, and it wound up being the defining mistake. Because Lillard, we we took we think about Lillard already being a guy who, on uh, some level, has a chip on his shoulder. It seems like every player from Oakland has chips on their shoulders. But also being a guy who, you, you know, you, you look at Peyton and Kidd, and you know, it, it see down the line. But you know, but he was also a guy who, like you said, we've, we've been he's been overlooked for a lot of his career. There have been other more transcendent talents who have uh, jumped out ahead of him, including Russ. And Russ was bringing that energy this into the series where he was like, you know, like he said in the regular season, I busted your ass. And the feeling was probably that I'm going to do it again. But Lillard was like, not not this time. And this whole series, he was determined to make that be the case all the way to the end where he had that this amazingly satisfying moment, you know, where 
you know, the only thing would have probably would have made it better is if he got the shot over Westbrook, but he he was able to do it over his second in command. And then you still had that great shot too from the from the rim, from behind the rim, where the, the swish was made and it was it's obstructing uh Westbrook, but you can still see how angry he is. Like that's just that's just a great shot. And that's that's really what people that's really what the takeaway is gonna be from the series now that whole individual rivalry, but like like you say, we, we, for for those for the real analysis, you have to look at just one team being way more well rounded than the other, and one team that is was way more secure in itself and assured in the way that they play the game. And Oklahoma City's, you know. It, it, seem, it just seems like the, 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 the certain, there's a certain amount of dysfunction that's always within them, and it comes out at the worst times, and that's what happened definitely in this series. Before we, before we go elsewhere in the, you know, throughout other areas of the, of the postseason, uh, now I want to get your thoughts just on what the series know what it could mean for Portland and are you as high as I am on them and, and think that they could be a favorite you know I don't know if they'll be a betting favorite in the next series but they definitely may have more momentum on their side you know given that uh Denver and San Antonio is going to be you know playing six possibly seven games you know do you think that Portland should be a favorite in that upcoming series You have Denver if saying the Spurs if the Spurs don't come back. San Antonio is obviously a lower seed, but they're still a better matchup because the backup point guard is, is Patty Mills, and I love Patty Mills. But Seth Curry is not necessarily a better player, but just the highest going to uh, if you say Mills of the game. Either one of those two guys can't stack up with him. And while you have the way he, he's played well this playoff series, but he's not been better than either of those two guys, save for yesterday with McCollum. And Aldridge is Aldridge has actually played pretty well. But outside of or close to the rim, he's been pretty he has been pretty abysmal. Part of that, I think, is the Nuggets being able to pull him. Part of that is the Nuggets being able to pull him away from the rim with Jokic being such a perimeter-oriented big man. But Cantor will Cantor's not as will be able to live inside, but he hasn't been good inside. So I think Cantor will have to be okay defending that. The Nuggets, on the other hand. Cantor's not mobile enough to be able to go outside, hedge on the screens. But a lot of the things that teams have been doing in the playoffs, I'm trying to think of the um, the, the way that it was either the Rockets or the Jazz can trap on a pick and roll, hedge and force the bit back the other way. have been really good. It had to be the Rockets because the Jazz were not playing the pick and roll in that, in that manner. 
I still, I still really, really like Portland. But Amino and Harkless are going to have to turn in similar performances against a team that is a higher seed for a reason. Uh, and, and they do have quality role players with Barton and Tory Craig, uh, Malik Beasley, and especially Monty Morris. If not, if those guys other than Morris really aren't necessarily quality catch-and-shoot or jump shooters, they're still quality role players who do the same thing that those guys have been doing. Yeah. They'll fill it for you. They'll get baskets. They'll make the right basketball play at the right time when you need it. And they're not back from the foul line either if they get fouled. It'll be a tougher series for sure. I'm still, I would still say one is the favorite, surprisingly enough. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Portland, uh, Portland, Denver, I would more like to see. Uh, and uh, Denver would provide a better matchup. Like you say, even with the with those wing guys they have, if, they, if they're not making shots, they're going to find a way more likely to impact the game than, uh, than uh, OKC's similar guys would have. You know, and um, – in in Beasley, I think you just got uh, in Murray. You just got better shooters who are gonna make more of an impact overall. And uh, I think Murray Murray is not Murray is at a point. I think once he gets through this series, he's gonna have much more confidence in what he can do. So that's what and and you know Nokic is something is a, is is a type is a type of figure that they're, they're going to have to really adjust to. Even, even though they, they play with a guy in, in Nurkic who uh, you know, plays similarly, so they should know, they should be up on how he can play, but you know, he still is a force out there. He's a triple-double guy from the post, and that's something that they didn't have to deal with with, with Adams at all. Uh, so, yeah, it, that could be a very entertaining series. Why? But uh, I, but I think uh, you know that uh, definitely, you know, Portland is is just playing too well for me to go against them right now. Yeah. So tonight we got, uh, you know, we got two games, three one series, uh, home games. Uh, the three the teams that are up three one are both at home and. Uh, we stand a chance to see those two series finish out tonight. Uh, we're talking about uh, we're about ten minutes away from Houston, Utah, and uh, later it'll be Golden State and the Clippers. So those two series play out the way that we sh- that we should expect uh, the, the entire second round to be set up. And uh, you know, uh, do you, do you think we'll see any more games than? Uh, did tonight's in in either of those two series, Chris? It's possible that Utah could win tonight. I'm I'm really I'm really disappointed in how the Jazz plays, and not just their defense, because as my boggling as it is, it's understandable, especially in this NBA landscape that's so oriented about around the three and then creating space individually. For shots. So when you combine those two things together, that's why James Harden is, is an MVP. And foreseeably for the next two or three years, is going to be a perennial MVP candidate. 
Make uh, the Golden State don't make a, a habit of losing in the first round. I think what they've lost like three games of the Kerr in the first round, so uh, I wouldn't expect them to lose anymore. You, you know, you know who the Clippers would be would be nice to have in this series, Kevin Durant. You know, <laughs> that would be a good person. That would be a good kind of person for them to have in this series because they might have, you know, they they just don't have enough firepower. You know, they have a lot of heart, like you say. They play well as a unit, but they just don't have the guy who can take over a game like that. So, you know, Golden State has a surplus of guys like that. So, you know, you're really going to get only one, uh, you know, one type of uh, conclusion to that series. Uh, I agree with you, too. Um, Utah, there's a chance they could win, but they're, they're probably not going to. Uh, really changed the course of the series. Um, looking at some of the talk, the TV talk from the last game, you know, you you, you got to figure much, pretty much that the this this series and this game tonight is going to rest on how well Houston shoots. 
And if you know if Houston gonna Houston's gonna be Houston and they're gonna shoot in volume. And if they hit enough of their shots, they hit between 40, 50% of their shots, they're gonna win. If they hit less than that, then there's gonna be a chance for Utah to to do the things that they can do to uh to win the game and to stay competitive. But it's not like a thing where Utah is exerting any pressure really on Houston. Houston is just doing what they do. They're just a team that relies on shots to fall. And if they don't, then they're going to be in trouble. So, but uh, I I would see that, you know, just for the sake of competitive, of, of, of competition, you know, hope I would hope for uh, one of these games to, uh, one of these series to extend past today. But if that's the case, I actually would hope more for the Clippers Warriors series because that's just, more interested to me than the Utah Houston series. But um, before before we dip out, though, let's just go over to the East because the East is set up for the second round, and the East is played out like you would expect it to play out. The top four teams all won. You know, there was some scare. There was some scares for Toronto and uh, Philly in the first game, but those really didn't amount to anything. Boston and and uh, Milwaukee, of course, swept through their series. Uh, you know, what, what, just, let me just give you your thoughts right quick on those two series that we have now left in the East, uh, Philly and Toronto, Milwaukee and Boston. What, what do you think is going to make of, uh, make of those series? Uh, I was talking to somebody recently about Philadelphia and the press conference that they have after their close win in game four. Uh, where um, Joel Embiid was on the days with Jimmy Butler and he cracked the Warriors joke about being up 3-1, which was funny and which was completely on by Joel Embiid and completely um, you know, good times all around Jimmy Butler. But it kind of struck a chord with me about um, something that Shaquille O'Neal, one of his favorite phrases about uh, before you succeed, you must first learn to fail. Really mm. lost last year for sure. They weren't, we all, we all figured that they weren't ready. Um, they obviously didn't have Jimmy Butler at that time, but they lost, um, fairly convincingly to the Celtics, who were a better team at that time. Who were, who were not only a better team, but a more experienced team. Yeah. And it's not that, it's not that you can't be cocky in the first round, especially when you have as much talent on the roster as Philadelphia does. Like, even their role players, like Mike Scott's a talented player. Um, TJ Alcala, who I really like, who doesn't get a lot of playing time now, is, is not necessarily the most talented player, but he's a player who will do the right things. Uh, Joel Embiid, we know, has one of the, is one of the most talented players of his type in the NBA. Jimmy Butler has basically willed himself to being a top 20 player in the league, and Tobias Harris is a great all-around kind of guy. But for as much as the talent as they have on the roster, Jimmy Butler aside, and maybe Tobias is, I don't know if they have that player who's a veteran who's toiled away, who's been a star, who's a star player who's toiled for a while, and the expectations have caught up with them. Shaq was in the league eight years, got to the finals, got swept out of the Houston Conference finals the year after that, then went to LA, 
and couldn't quite get there until the turn of the millennium. The expectations were on him at that point. And you see that in the interview with him and, uh, him and Kobe, where he talks about how that year he was, he was ready, he was focused. And he thought, and after that, when they won, it wasn't as, it wasn't as strong. The drive wasn't as strong for him because that's not the type of player he was. I see a lot of parallels in that. Like, and B is a guy who's great. But I don't think he has that maniacal, uh, just eye of Sauron kind of thing that Kobe had, that Jordan had, that, um, players like, players like even Kareem had when the time came. Yeah. That Magic had, Bird had, those. I don't think he's at that, like, absolute, I'm going to rip your heart out love. We saw him do some things in that Brooklyn series where he was all business. And maybe it's something that he can take the switch. I just don't feel like Philadelphia has that one through to a man that they have that feeling of we need this. Not just we want this. We not just that we want to get to a final, we absolutely need to get to a final and we're willing to step on broken glass and and breathe polluted air to do so. And Boston is a team that I think has that. You know, Kyrie's down there and he wants to go back. Al Horford's a veteran who hasn't been to the finals. Um, even Gordon Hayward, with, with, you kind of always got that feeling from those guys. Marcus Smart's insane. Marquette Morris is a, is a guy who always looks like he, he's ready for everything on the court. So Boston has that. Toronto is the same kind of team. I feel like, especially them, most of them play to who have, who got their asses kicked by LeBron the past few years are, are so well. That team, even with a new coach and Kyle Lowry, you know, for all his faults, I think they've gotten, they have that in them. They have that painful memory of past losses, repeated past losses. And that's why I would pick, that was, that's why I picked Toronto over Philadelphia. Even though they have matchup, they probably have matchup advantages in every position except two guard small forwards when you put Kawhi in there, I could turn it over them. And on the other side, not that I didn't interrupt Kawhi, I know I'm kind of going on a long time here. Um, on the other side, I almost don't want to pick just because it's such a good matchup between um, Milwaukee and Boston. And it's, it's funny because the Bucks haven't been anywhere near the conference finals. But I remember the fury in Giannis when the Bulls beat them so badly in that closeout game a few years back in the first round. Yeah. That um, when he went after Mike Dunleavy and got kicked out of the game. That's a sign. You know, people at the time say, well, young fellow, you don't want to lose your cool. But you're getting beaten by 60-some-odd points to a division rival in the playoffs. And he wasn't the Giannis that we know now then. He was still just really amazing, very tall. Very fast loping Giannis, not MVP Giannis. And Chris Middleton was on that same team. Those guys have been there. Those guys know what that feels like. They lost to the Celtics last year in, uh, in the playoffs. So this is not only a rematch for them. They put it all out there all season long to be the best team in the league, not just the conference. Recognize they were the best team in the league. And they have that, we need to win this. Now, it could be they need to be 
position up that they are saying we want to get to the NBA finals. Not just the conference finals, the NBA finals. Yeah. And so I, would pick, I would pick Milwaukee. Shout out to you. I would pick Milwaukee. And yeah, that's where I'm going too. And, and just to go off the points that you made, Giannis does have that dog in him. And and that team has faced they faced what you what you alluded to is that sort of tradition in the NBA of having playoff difficulties and having playoff disappointment before you break through. And you know, it's happened with just about every major player in in the history of the of the game, aside from maybe Boston in the '60s and Magic and Bird, who both won like in their first year or two. But you know, Michael had to Michael had to suffer. Shaq, Kobe suffered. LeBron suffered. Like the suffering is a part of that this maturing process that happens in the playoffs. And I think Giannis has, has reached a point where he suffered and he can break through now. And everything, like you mentioned, the team manifesting, I think manifesting everything that is wanted this year, I, that starts with Giannis. Giannis was the one who was like, I'm, I am worthy of MVP. I can, I'm going to go out and play for that MVP, and I'm going to play to lead the best team in the league. And that's what they've done. And, you know, I just think that if you if you give me him against anybody who's left in the East, I'm, I feel confident in that. And with with Bledsoe, with uh, with Middleton, with, uh, you know, Lopez doing what he's doing to extend defenses and stuff. I just like that team right now. If they can if they can even get Brogdon over the course of the series, that's going to make them even better. And. You know, I, I like I said, I just think that this is a time for Milwaukee to to assert itself. And with that assertion is something that is sort of that keeps coming up with me in the East because you mentioned Toronto's past, and I agree for the most part. But it's interesting because the guy, their leader, is a guy who has a great playoff history. Uh, Kawhi does. But he's new to that team, and he didn't go through the stuff that they went through with against LeBron and everything. So you may have a a different, a, you know, some sort of differing uh, in the way that they approach this series. And Kawhi again is not the most outwardly vocal guy. He's not a a dramatic guy in that in in any way too. And the interesting thing with me is that I was talking. To uh, my man, my man Justin Dukes, a former war contributor, last week, and I think something that I mentioned in our conversation was that everybody seems to want to punch Philadelphia in the mouth. Philadelphia is the provocateur in the East right now, and I'm interested to see how Toronto is going to respond as a team to being provoked by Philly because that's going to happen. It's happened with every team that Philly has played in the past couple of years. They are provoked in some way. Miami last year, Boston last year, Brooklyn this year. And at some at some point, they're going to make Toronto get in their emotions. 
And I'm wondering how how is Toronto really going to deal with that? And, you know, especially when you look at a guy like Lowry, who's had some notable playoff failures, is that going to be a point where he may break some? So I'm, I don't know who I'm willing to take in that series right now. I think I may be leaning more towards Philadelphia, even though, you know, they scare me in some ways too, but it's like, I just think that they're, they feel confident enough and they feel that, I think they feel that they could get under the buck skin too. So they're going to be really, or they, they got two, they got one or two things. They got a Bucks team who they feel that they can get under their skin. And they got a Boston team who they're probably going to want to run through hell to beat. So I think they're going to be pretty motivated to get to that final round in the East. And I don't know if I had to pick, I think I would pick Philadelphia to win over uh, Toronto right now, but but to, I would love to see Toronto assert itself in a way and just shut down any type of BS that Philly, that Philly offers them. If they can do that, that would make me feel a lot better about Toronto going forward. It would be interesting, too, because um, with, the, with the lineup that they would prefer, you would see most likely Simmons and Butler in the backcourt and then it would be Lowry and Green for the Raptors, and just in terms of, you know, just overall height, which can be overstated sometimes in the NBA. But it's so important, especially for Simmons, with his vision and his ability to pass, to get below the three-point line, where they'll be trying to, well, which is where they'll be defending him anyway. But for him to find covers, find a feed down low, find shooters on the, on the outside, and so you naturally figure that task would fall to Danny Green, but then who defends Jimmy Butler? So there's a good point on, there's a, a really good point in that. Toronto's bench is always solid. Uh, Fred Van Vliet and Norman Powell, I really, really like those two players coming off the bench. Yeah. And while Mark Gasol hasn't really been needed in the first round, you know, he's, a, he's an experienced veteran player who can get you a 15 and 10 if, if you really need it. But I just, I think it's funny you say that about Philadelphia being the provocateurs. You would think of it with Lowry and Leonard being two of their best players. Toronto would be a quote-unquote strong, silent type of team. They would take on the identities of those players. So that would be interesting to see how that matchup plays out as the series moves on, whether they'll take Philly's base during the games, whether they'll respond on the quarter and or off the quarter. I don't I don't see I don't see uh, Toronto doing that. From the, what I seen with Nick Nurse this year, he's not a fiery coach. He's kind of that same mold as, as Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Lowry, if not understated, just for even keel. So I don't see them being drawn into that. Now, depending on if they win or they lose, people could come back from that and say they rolled they over they rolled over the bonds and overcame, or they could say they fell under the weight of being outplayed and out, you know, out-talked. It just depends on whether you win or lose. But there, there's no either way. That's the same for Philadelphia. If they win, they slide through it. If they lost, they talk too much. Yeah. It just depends on what the outcome of the series is. Yeah, it'll be, it's going to be interesting. And 
I'm I'm wondering too, like, you know, Toronto has a penchant for giving up games early in series. What type of impact that may have if Philly's able to go up there and still a game early on, will that will that make you know Toronto feel getting in, in the hole? Like they were able to they they were able to get in the hole against Orlando and really not think nothing of it. But do you want to do that against a team as dangerous as Philadelphia? I don't know. So uh, we'll, we'll that, those are those are two very good uh, series, though, and I that we're gonna learn. I, I think a lot about all four of those teams. That's gonna set up what could be a pretty even a pretty more even more epic Eastern final because when you look at the East right now overall. This is a conference that is crying out for someone to take control of it. And one one of these teams is going to earn that right at the end of, you know, regardless of what they do against the Western Conference champion, one of these teams, I think these four teams are going to be the team that defines the East for the foreseeable future. And, uh, you know, that kind of makes the stakes high you know, in, in the East right now. So I think the play will live up to that. So uh, that, uh, and, uh, we'll leave it at that for now uh, here with, with this second diary. We'll go uh, get back to you pretty soon with another one. And we're going to try uh, within the next week or two to get another uh, running with war, uh, out, running with war out for you guys. Uh, we're working on that steadily right now. But, uh, yeah, it's the playoffs, y'all. We're doing it. We are RegalRadio.com. We are Regal Radio. Uh, War on Anchor, of course. You know how to get at us. Subscribe. Uh, follow all that. Rate us. All that good stuff. And, uh, yeah, man, uh, Chris is – Chris uh, got a real interesting piece yet uh, uh, coming out. I'm going to make sure I get it out tomorrow. I've been screwing around. But I, I've been busy, too. I've been busy, too, but uh, – Chris got a great piece uh, on playground, applying playground ball aspects to pro players. And uh, now I'll just leave it at that. It's a little tease there, but it's a real good piece, and you'll see it pretty soon on WeAreRegalRadio.com. I'm running out of time here. Peace, y'all.